you would, turn with me to the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1. As we begin uh, our study in the book of Acts, it's appropriate that in that last song, it sort of really hits the aim this morning, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. And so if you open your, your Bible there to the book of Acts, you will see our normative way here at Spring Hills to systematically preach through a book of the Bible. We begin a new study today through the book of Acts. Uh, first, we will pray, then we'll read the text that we're going to consider, and then we will follow that with a dissection of the text and making some applications uh, and observations as we go. Let us uh, first pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we come to you in our time this morning uh, as we look into your word in need of your grace. We ask uh, for grace, Lord, to illuminate the passage to our minds that we might understand it. We ask, Lord, that you would inflame our hearts to passion for you and for your people. We ask, Lord, for your grace to empower us to will and do of your good pleasure. Father, this morning we do ask for protection for the frontline workers in the fight for the preborn. As the enemy threatens attacks, please give them protection, steadfastness and purpose, and love even for those that come against them. Lord, we know that uh, the first thing that must be changed is, is, is the heart of man that desires to kill the unborn. We can change laws all we want to, but nothing will change until we change hearts. And Lord, we are dependent upon you to change hearts, to transform lives. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you are able, would you stand with me uh, for the reading of God's word? We are going to begin in verse 1, and we will go through verse 11 this morning. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is God's word. You can be seated. 
We certainly live in times of uncertainty, don't we? The pandemic had me and the elders questioning every decision. No matter what decision we made, somebody was not happy with the choices that we made. And it wouldn't matter if I chose the exact opposite thing that they were actually about, then I would have had a whole new crowd of people who didn't, weren't happy about that decision either. And it had me questioning in my own mind, every decision, I had to question it. And I was being questioned about it. And we as elders were being questioned about it. And we wondered if we were being disobedient by not following every changing mandate that was handed down. Because tomorrow the mandate was different than it was yesterday. And we would think, is it unloving for us to take a stand knowing that converted believers had very strong convictions contrary to the things that we were standing for? Were we certain? Could we be certain? Which media outlet, if any, could we trust with certainty? Could I be certain even that the national health authorities could be trusted? What information is to be trusted? What could I know for certain? This caused me to think of there is one thing for sure that I can be certain of. I can be certain of things that were taught to me in the Word of God. And our people can be certain of what God's Word says. So my focus became not necessarily what was going on in the plethora of information out there. It was, what does the Word of God tell us to do and command us to do as His people? I could be certain of those things. I could be certain of the gospel. I could be certain about what the gospel consists of. Certain concerning the purpose of God in the world. Certain of God's purpose in my life. God's purpose in the church. Certain about the love of God for sinners that he has chosen. So this morning, as we get to this text, I want to ask us to ponder this. Are you certain concerning the things that you have been taught? Are you certain concerning your relationship with God? Are you certain you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you certain concerning the things of the kingdom of God, especially considering the uncertainty of the kingdoms of man? The aim of our study in the book of Acts is that you would have certainty, certainty and certainty concerning the kingdom of God, certainty concerning Christ, Certainty concerning his gospel. Certainty concerning his return. Certainty that the promises of God find their yes in Christ Jesus. Certainty that the kingdom of God that was inaugurated in Jesus Christ is expanding today through the Holy Spirit empowered witness of his kingdom people, the church. Are you certain of that? That the kingdom of God is advancing the kingdom of God advances through his kingdom people, the church, as we await Christ's return. I think sometimes we bow down to the kingdoms of the world and, and we know how horrible it is and the way that the, the kingdoms of the world are going. But we don't uh, pause for just a moment to think about what the scriptures teach about Jesus Christ and his 
kingdom, that that which was inaugurated at his death and resurrection because he ascended to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within his kingdom people. The kingdom of God is active, alive, and is moving forward. And as Isaiah prophesied years and years before that the government that is upon his shoulders has no end. There will be no increase to his government. And that started with his Death and resurrection, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated in the person of Jesus Christ and lives alive and well today in his kingdom people. So let's now turn and look at the first three verses of chapter one. And if you would, maybe keep a finger in the gospel of Luke, uh, chapter one and chapter 24. You, can't, you can have two fingers. I don't know how you do it, but like try to finagle yourself there. First one, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So the title of our book, The Acts of the Apostles, could be more aptly named Volume 2 of the Gospel According to Luke. In Volume 1, the Gospel that bears our author's name dealt with the birth, the earthly ministry, the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. This book has been identified as a book about the work of the apostles. Well, to put a, a, a finer point on it, it is a book about the work of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Or to put even a finer point on it, I think this book could be described as it is a book about the Holy Spirit of God's work through the apostolic ministries that continues through the church that was supernaturally birthed and about to be birthed in our text. I think it might be more aptly titled, This is the Gospel of Jesus Christ Enthroned in Heaven. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ enthroned in heaven. To get at the purpose of this book in the book of Acts, since it is a continuation of what began in volume one, we must look at the purpose statement in Luke's gospel. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. Let's look at the first four verses. This will give us the purpose of not only the first volume, but the volume that we are in in the book of Acts. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word having delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an, an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So the purpose of the book of Acts, or volume two of Luke's gospel, is to compile a narrative of things that Jesus has accomplished among them. Luke is very thorough in his account. He received some of what is included in his work from oral tradition, and then he investigated the veracity of that oral tradition. Some he takes from eyewitness accounts and some from his own personal witness. 
The desire to compile the narrative is coupled with a desire to put it together an orderly account, which combines that tradition, the eyewitness accounts, such that the reader, and specifically as he addresses Theophilus in both volumes, would have certainty concerning the things that he had been taught. So now as we go back to look at verses 3, we'll go through 5. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So here we go, of a certainty. Here's some things I want you to think about. What can you be certain of? Of a certainty, Jesus Christ is alive. Of a certainty, Jesus Christ is alive. What we see in these passages is of a certainty, Jesus Christ suffered death on a cross for sinners. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ indeed atoned for sinners of a certainty. Jesus Christ suffered death on a cross for sinners. Of a certainty, the sum of Jesus' ministry was this, the inauguration of the kingdom of God. He appeared to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Well, that's just a continuation of what he did while he was with them in his earthly ministry. He spoke and taught to them concerning the things of God, the things of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is like this, as Jesus would say in the Sermon on the Mount. The kingdom of God is like that. For a certainty, the kingdom of God is alive and thriving today through his people, just as certain as Christ was raised from the dead. So he addresses Theophilus. The name meaning lover of God. Luke would say this. This is the orderly, historic, eyewitness account of those who witnessed these things. Lover of God, be certain that these things are so. Luke presents in part one of the account uh, the infallible proofs of Jesus' suffering. The infallible proofs of his resurrection and the continued advance of the kingdom to which the lover of God which is you and me, the ones who are the blood-bought, born-again Christian, that you will be the instrument through which the Holy Spirit works to bring about the furtherance and the advance of the kingdom. In Luke 24, here's the infallible proofs that he has indeed died for sin, but he, God, did indeed raise him from the dead. In Luke 24, beginning in verse 39, it says, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved, for joy and marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations 
beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So he's presented to himself the truth about himself, the truth about his death, the truth about his resurrection, and the truth that the kingdom of God presses on, that the kingdom of God advances. He says that you should proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in my name to the, all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are the witnesses to these things. The book of Acts takes us through this continued orderly account of apostolic ministry of the kingdom advanced through the church. The book of Acts lines this out in, in chapter 8, verse 12. It says, but, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts 19.8 says, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Acts 20, verse 25. And now behold, I know that none of them among you whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom of God will see my face again. 28, 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and the prophets. And finally, in 2831, it says, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The church of Jesus Christ is comprised of witnesses that advance the kingdom of God. I would ask this morning, what is the purpose for Margo, for Jesse Martinez, for the Crawfords. What is the purpose as members of the church that gathers at Spring Hill? What is the purpose? And it's to be a faithful witness concerning the kingdom of God and its Christ. What is the purpose for our gathering each Lord's Day? What is the purpose? Well, in a sense, it is preparation for witness. What does a witness do? When you go to court, what, is, what does a witness do and what happens before the witness gets there? Before the witness ever takes the stand, what happens? Well, the attorneys meet with that witness and they say, they prepare him, they prepare her to tell the truth, to testify, to give worthy testimony, right? They prepare them to tell the truth. Well, what is it that we do when we gather here on Sunday morning? As we prepare to be a good witness of Jesus Christ, to be one who proclaims the kingdom of God rightly. What does the preacher do on Sunday morning? What is the point of the preaching of God's word and what I uh, am called to do every morning? And that is to tell the truth to you about Jesus, to tell the truth about the kingdom of God and to admonish God's kingdom people to leave here prepared for kingdom advance. That is my goal. To be a good witness of Jesus Christ. To prepare you to be good witnesses of Jesus Christ. And then to encourage you, correct you, admonish you, charge you with the advancement of the proclamation of the gospel and kingdom of God's advance. The prologue of volume 2 in Acts 1 through 5 picks up right before the ascension of Jesus going into heaven. And the last uh, instruction the apostles 
get is to wait for the promise of God. To advance the kingdom of God, you will need to be clothed with power. Clothed with power of the promised Holy Spirit. To be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The advance of the kingdom is the spirit-empowered church of Jesus Christ. While staying with them, verse 4, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Luke uses the term baptized here, but there's really no adequate word in English to kind of embrace the fullness of what this Greek word uh, means. So I'm going to try to give you as much of, of what I uh, uncovered about it. It is to be wholly embraced, to be immersed in, to be taken in, to be enveloped by the Spirit, to be given wholly to it, to be surrendered to it. Ephesians 1.13 says that the Christian is sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That the Spirit is poured out upon the believer in chapter 2, verse 33. Jesus says, wait for the promise from the Father that you will be empowered by. You will be enveloped in. You will be wholly given to the Holy Spirit. And you know, when we think about about the, the Gospel of John that we uh, went through not so long ago, and especially in chapter 15. I am the vine and you are the branches. That is, that is to be incorporated into, to be one, to be inseparable in Christ. And that's the idea of here of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be inseparable, to be immersed and to uh, be submitted fully to its power, his power in the believer. I would ask us this morning to ask ourselves, does the same power that raised Jesus from the dead live in you? Are you effectively active in the advancement of the kingdom of God? Or do you have a form of godliness, but you sort of deny its power? If you're not engaged in the kingdom of God, if you're not engaged in the advancement of the kingdom of God, one of two things is going on. You either have not been born again and you've not been bought and surrendered and repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ himself, or you have a form of godliness and you need to repent of that because you're denying its power. You're not empowered by it. I would say this, have you been enveloped by the spirit of God? How do you know? I know many of you, and I know many of you have been enveloped by the Spirit of God. You know how I know? Because the kingdom of God's priorities have become yours. The Spirit of God has empowered you. You have received the promise of God, and you have embraced the promise of God, and the Spirit has embraced you, and you are uh, lined up and having the same priorities, that the kingdom of God is your number one priority. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
The question from the disciples is this. Will you restore the kingdom of Israel to its sovereign political military place at this time? And Jesus answers a deeper question. As if they were asking about the consummation of the kingdom. Will the kingdom be consummated? Will the eschatological end times answer be now? And Jesus answers and says the, the end times, the end times answer is a time that the Father has fixed. That it is the Father's fixed number of days. It is the fixed number of seasons, the, six, the fixed number of decades, centuries. And this is all in God's own authority. We get, we get a little too concerned about the consummation of the kingdom instead of living for the kingdom now. Instead of living as kingdom people now, we're concerned with the consummation of the kingdom. When will this kingdom end? When are you going to get to work? That would become my question. You're sitting there looking and saying, when is the kingdom of God going to come to its full fruition? When are you going to get on board with doing kingdom work? And it is essentially Jesus' answer. that The times, these are not your concern. These are the Father's concern. Your concern is to be a kingdom of God people. Your concern is to be witnesses to me, to tell the truth about me, to tell the truth about the kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom of God through your proclamation of the gospel. You be concerned about the time in which you live. You be concerned about here and now. You will be the spirit-empowered witness at home, he says, in Jerusalem, in the region around you, in Judea, to the peoples beyond your border, in Samaria. Until the world is reached for Jesus Christ, press on. Until the world is reached for Jesus Christ, presses on, press on, press on. Your job is to tell the truth about Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit from this day forward. The end is fixed in the Father's time. From this day forward, you bring about the kingdom. You are the instrument that God will use to advance the kingdom of God and its ultimate consummation is at the Lord's return. And so we pray that the Lord's return would be today. But if it isn't, get to work. We pray that the Lord's return might be tomorrow, but today you have work to do. You have to advance the kingdom of God and do kingdom work now. That's the point. You're the instrument that God will bring about the kingdom of God and ultimately its consummation at the Lord's return. You may not even see the day. You may die before the Lord's return. What will you, what will you say when you go before the Lord, if you die before his return, well, Lord, I was standing around, looking around, waiting for you. I knew you were going to come. I knew it could be any day. What did you do to forward the kingdom? Were you engaged in the kingdom? Were you filled with the spirit of God and moved to his kingdom purposes? That might be the question he might ask. Where does the kingdom of God advancement begin for me and for you, you might ask? Where does it begin? It begins when you tell the truth about Jesus and his kingdom to your kids, to your family, and to your friends. You start with the greatest sphere of influence that you have, your home. And as the witness expands, you expand that to your neighbors. And that sphere grows. And then you tell your co-workers the truth about Jesus and the truth about the kingdom of God at your school or at your work. 
And we're to do this having a confidence uh, as a church that the advancement of God's kingdom is not contingent on your ability. It's not contingent on your intelligence. It's not contingent on your position or it's not contingent on your appearance. It is contingent upon the Spirit of God whom the Father promised to those who repent and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and confidence that God did raise Him from the dead. It is confidence in who God is, who the Spirit is in you, that is uh, our, our boldness to advance the kingdom. And don't, don't think, well, I don't have the right words. I don't have the right understanding. I don't have the right talent. I don't have the right connections with people. I, I'm not in the right position. Bunk. You are in the right position because you have the power of the Holy Spirit of God who has baptized you into Himself. You've been wholly incorporated into Him and you have everything you need to proclaim the kingdom of God to advance the kingdom of God. And he wants to use you and I as instruments for his purpose. Today. While we hope for his return, today. Today, we're to work toward the advancement of the kingdom. Well, as we look at verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You see, just like the apostles and the disciples at that time, we live in the between time. We live in between Jesus' ascension into heaven and his return. We live in the same point. The angels are saying to the apostles, be assured that the Lord Jesus will return. Be prepared to do kingdom work while you wait. While you await his return, be prepared to do kingdom work. Why are you looking up into the sky? There's work to be done today. The kingdom of God is advancing. Why be looking up in the sky? Do you trust and are assured that Jesus will return again? Do you trust this? You can't... I really got to say this. Because the Lord convinced me on my walk this morning. I have to say this. Hope is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. He is our living hope. Living hope means that you live according to that hope. You live in that hope, in the advancement of the kingdom. Hope doesn't stand around and go, oh, I'm waiting for bricks to fall out of the sky to build me a house. I'm waiting for somebody else to do it. No. If hope is alive, it's at work, isn't it? If the kingdom of God is advancing, it's at work. And it's at work in each of us who believe. We live in this in-between time. And the angels here, be assured that Jesus is going to return. Be prepared to do kingdom work. Advance the kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be a witness to Jesus Christ, clothed in the power of the Spirit. And see, the day is hastened, right? If you want Jesus to come back and you want him to come back tomorrow, get to work. Hasten the day. Proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the kingdom of God. Get out there and do it now. If you sit down on your hands and you wait for him to come, you're not advancing the kingdom. You're not, you're not ushering in his return. You're sitting around doing nothing. The day is hastened when we, we as a spirit-empowered church, obey the word of Christ. When we obey the words of Christ, it says, Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching each other 
to observe all that Jesus commanded. Are you a disciple who makes disciples? If you're not a disciple who's making disciples, you're not engaged in kingdom work. Are you a disciple who makes disciples? The answer is no. If the answer is no, you're not a disciple who makes disciples, do you long for the kingdom of God to be realized? And I'm sure the answer is yes. Do you long for the Lord's return? I'm sure that the answer to that is yes. But if the answer is no, that you're not a disciple who makes disciples, I would encourage you in this. Be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ. And what is it? How simple is it? How simple is the call? Tell the truth about Jesus. Tell the things that you have been made certain of in the scriptures. Tell the truth about the kingdom of God and its advancement. Tell it to your fellow church members first. You need, we need to tell it to each other. That, that the kingdom of God is alive and is forward moving. We need to teach one another, encourage one another to uh, do as Jesus commanded. We need to teach our, our, our brothers and sisters, teach them and be taught by them to observe all that, that, that Jesus commands. And not just by observation, but obey. We need to encourage one another to obey. That's what, that's what disciple making is really about. As you sit down with another brother or sister in the Lord, it's not about judging them for the things that they're going through. But let's say they come and they admit or confess some sort of sin to you. Your encouragement to them is, well, what did Jesus say? Okay, why don't you obey that? Obey what Jesus said. That's our encouragement. That's not condemnation, is it? It is. You have been born again and bought by the blood of the Lamb. You are indeed a new creation who has been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Just do what he says. I want to encourage you. What does he say? Do it. It's simple. It's disciple making. It's, it's, it's what we're to do with each other. But if we don't do that, we are not engaged in kingdom work. Another thing is that we need to tell the truth about Jesus to our kids, to our neighbors, to our co-workers. And then we have to trust. We have to trust the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to trust that the power of the Spirit working through us will add to the kingdom those whom God desires to be saved. You're just an instrument. You're just an instrument of glory, of goodness. You're an instrument of the righteousness of God. When you speak the truth about the kingdom, the results are not your concern. It's when we become concerned with the results of our proclamation and our, our witness to Jesus that we start cheating. You know, in those great revival movements that happened way back in the late 1700s, right? George Whitfield and, and those. They proclaimed the truth about the kingdom of God, the truth about Jesus. But you know what came along? Imposters. Imposters who wanted to manipulate. If I manipulate a response from people, if I put on a show, then people will respond because I made it about me and about my talents and about my abilities. It's not about that. God saves people by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to be kingdom people as an instrument of his righteousness by proclaiming the truth of the kingdom of God. Well, 
Jesus is coming back. That's one of the things that this passage ends with. Be sure, just as sure as he was taken up to heaven and he's ruling and reigning right now, be just as sure that as he was taken up, rejoice in the fact that he is returning. But rejoice in this, that, that the king of kings, the one who died for your sin, is ruling and reigning in heaven. Rejoice in that. Live in hope. What is the proof of your hope? I think the proof of your hope is that you are doing the work of kingdom witness. That you're telling the truth about Jesus. You're telling the truth about the kingdom of God. You're telling the truth that the kingdom of God finds all its fulfillment in Jesus, and Jesus is, is its king. As we wait for the Lord, as we come together in worship on the Lord's day, let us remember that we are here, but for preparation for what's out there. We are here to be prepared to be a good witness. And a good witness, what does he do when the attorney puts him on there? They want the good witness to tell the truth. I just want you to tell the truth consistently, correctly, compellingly. I just want you to tell the truth. That's what we want the witness to do. And that's, that is our duty as Christians, is to tell the truth about Jesus. And just, I, and if I, man, I don't know if I can say this enough, and I'm going to try to close right here. I don't know if I can say this enough or get it across enough or whatever. But the kingdom of God is advancing. As terrible as the kingdoms of the world are, do not be defeated, brothers and sisters. The kingdom of God is alive and well and advancing. And it's advancing as you and I obey the truth of the scripture, as we live it out, as we tell the truth about Jesus and tell the truth about the kingdom. You, and if we do it well, you know, some of us will probably get killed for it. You know, if you do it well, you might die. I, I don't, I don't want to put too much of a damper on it, but if you do it well, you might get killed for it. And as Joe often quotes uh, Charles Spurgeon, the death is nothing but the Christian going home. You might die for it. So I would say this, as Jesus says it, count the cost. Count the cost. There's a cost to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. But there's a great reward waiting. There's a great reward waiting for us as well.